Hey guys, welcome to the Starring Milano podcast where we try to build understanding in this crazy world one conversation at a time. This podcast is released every Monday, hashtag Milana Monday, and it has three segments. The first one is called Talkworthy where we pick a few things going on in the media and try to offer a new or different perspective. The second segment is called Dropping Gems where we pick a topic of the week and we drop a few gems. And the third segment is called BTS where we recap my past week any exciting encounters, new finds, and a great hefty TV recap um, because obviously I love TV. Um, if you're listening on the podcast audio apps, welcome. Please make sure to subscribe, leave a rating and a review. And there's also a visual to this podcast. Visit youtube.com forward slash starring Milana. Give this video a thumbs up, subscribe, leave a comment. Um, and also you can follow me at starring Milana on Instagram. In this week's episode, we are talking about chaos at the Olympics, Prince Andrew's settlement, how stress can lead to illness, and the best veggie burger in town. Before we start, I just want to say I'm really excited about my sponsorship with Anna Luisa Jewelry. I've been eyeing their stuff for a minute and I'm so happy to be partnering with them. They have great stuff. They craft high quality jewelry pieces at an affordable and fair price. I mean, as low as $39. I think that's pretty fair. They also have new jewelry releasing every single Friday. So it means you'll never get bored of their stuff. And they are carbon neutral, both the jewelry and their packaging. What I love most about their pieces is that they're elegant and trendy at the same time. I have seven piercings between both of my ears and I love mixing and matching um, their earrings. They're cute little cuffs. They have a lot of options. Right now I'm wearing the Catherine and the Tota earrings and I'm also wearing the Celine ring. All of the items are 14 karat gold and I'm obsessed with them. I'll post a picture on Instagram because you can't really see my earrings. I'm wearing headphones but they're really great pieces and now you can get 10% off using my code starring Milana if you visit shop.annaluisa that's A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A dot com forward slash starring Milana. Go treat yourself. Go treat your loved ones. International Women's Day is coming up on March 8th. So it's a great time to buy a present for yourself and someone you love. Again, you can have it with 10% off using my code starring Milana. If you go to shop dot Anna, A-N-A-L-U-I-S-A, Anna Luisa dot com forward slash starring Milana for 10% off. And Star Milana is spelled like this podcast, obviously, S-T-A-R-R-I-N-G-M-I-L-A-N-A. All right, let's get into the episode. Talkworthy is the first segment. Um, and here is an update on the Olympics and the scandals and the chaos in the figure skating division. So I'm not really watching the Olympics. I don't... I really don't watch the Winter Olympics um, and even the Summer Olympics. I don't think I watch them. Like I just kind of catch the highlights. I don't really have time to sit in front of the TV and just, you know, watch what's going on all day. But um, no shame to anyone who does. I really feel that because I'd rather be watching Housewives anyway. But I'm just saying if I had all the time in the world. But I've been hearing a lot of interesting things about the Olympics. Um, I don't know why. It's like some of the headlines I've been seeing was like dystopian society I don't know there's just been a lot of controversy around these winter olympics in particular but there's two things that um I read about that I found really interesting um so let's get into it the first one is about the suspension that happened or didn't happen I'm a little bit unclear but here we go according to Vice the 15 year old Russian figure skating superstar Kamila Valeva has been caught in a doping allegation days after she became the first woman in history to land a quadruple jump at the Winter Olympics. Valeva tested positive for tri 
metazidine. Guys, I just want to say that's a medication and I have now called my sister to ask her how to pronounce it because she's a nurse. I've also Googled it um, and it's a very weird word to pronounce and you know English is my third language so bear with me but let me read that. Valeva tested positive for trimetazidine, a banned heart medication before the Beijing games. The Russian newspaper RBC reported the sample was reportedly obtained before Valeva won the European Championship in January. Trimetazidine, normally prescribed to treat angina, chest pain caused by reduced blood flow to the heart, was listed by the World Anti-Doping Agency as a metabolic modulator and was prohibited at all times in and out of competition. The drug could be used by athletes to improve physical efficiency, especially in the case of endurance sports, according to a 2014 study. But Sadia Khan, a cardiologist at Northwestern University, Feinberg School of Medicine, told... Rotors, there is no strong evidence that the drug could improve athletic performance. Um, but I did read an article, another article that said this can ultimately increase, increase endurance and reduce fatigue during intense exercises. That's why it's banned because there's a lot of controversy with this particular drug. Um, so I think many people were confused about the timeline and why na- she's now suspended if this test was taken back in December on December 25th, 2021. I was confused because I was like, what the fuck? Like, we're just now suspending her for something that they you know took a test for in December so let me just break down the dates for you guys so we're all on the same page okay the test was taken back on December 25th at the Russian figure skating championship okay the Russian anti-doping agency is currently suspended by WADA world anti-doping agency due to violations of anti-doping regulations sabotaging ongoing investigations by manipulating computer data because of that all tests have to be sent to a trusted WADA accredited agency so they're sent to Sweden okay let me just explain that basically Russia was cheating uh they were giving or their athletes were taking some sort of steroids some sort of doping some sort of medications for um to enhance their um athleticism endurance and they got caught so they were suspended for um even their labs got caught for like lying on the results so because of that the world anti-doping agency said you know what you cannot russia is no longer trusted to even their labs to test their own athletes so all tests taken in russia have to be um taken by a trusted um lab and sent to a trusted lab okay so so i guess it took them a while to get these tests through but finally on february 8th they find an adverse analytical Uh, finding in her sample the russian anti-doping agency then suspends her on february 9th she challenges the suspension and the russian anti-doping agency lifts the suspension on february 11th the international testing agency confirmed she failed a test for a banned substance and calls for her provisional suspension to be reinstated it is denied and she is allowed to compete um so she's allowed to compete even though these results uh, came back positive and even though a lot of people were upset at the fact that she was allowed to compete. Um, but she was expected to win, but she didn't do so well. She fell several times during her performance and she landed in fourth place. Um, she was clearly like shaken up. She was crying. Her coach was like yelling at her. Um, and her two teammates won gold and silver. The one that won silver, Alexandra Trusova, she threw a temper tantrum on the sideline about coming in second place, saying she never wants to compete again. She hates the sport. And the winner of gold, Anna Sherbakova, was uh, filmed sitting down alone watching this temper tantrum go down. And nobody was really like celebrating her win. Um, and all of this behavior 
was it kind of comes from the top down like it's very it was very chaotic there's a lot going on around this like russian figure skating team but i really do think it comes from the top down i think there's too much pressure from the coaches and that pressure comes from the country um and therefore there's not really like sportsmanship um within any russian sports i would say and they're they definitely like forget fucking ethics i mean they're just like drugs cheating here yeah here we go they'll do anything to win and when they don't win um they throw temper tantrums so even if it's someone from their own country wins like what anyway so as of now the world doping agency has been asked to investigate everyone around camila uh, her coaches her teammates and all the adults because she is a minor um so how she got this i don't know but she's 15 years old somebody was giving this to her somebody prescribed it to her for what reason we have no clue i just kind of feel bad because she's 15 she could have had a really bright um future ahead she could she still could but it's just kind of like a stain on her legacy this whole um this whole doping incident so i feel bad for her the second thing that caught my attention about the olympics was that a lot of people were testing positive for covid even though they were in this secluded, almost like we keep saying or seeing in the headlines, dystopian society where you couldn't really get in and get out. And there was like robots serving you food and people were constantly getting tested and you couldn't come anywhere near um, the athletes. If you hadn't been tested, they'd been testing themselves. They don't leave. The only time they leave is to go to competition. So it's like really interesting um, how people ended up testing positive. I think I read last was like 11 people between athletes and the people working within the Olympics that tested positive. But the news about Vincent Zhao um, was really upsetting to me. Uh, I read this article on NBC. U.S. Olympic figure skater and medal contender Vincent Zhao tested positive for COVID-19, officials say Monday, and won't be able to compete in the men's individual competition at the Beijing Winter Games. The U.S.-born Zhao has been looking forward to competing in Beijing, which he has called his second hometown, and where his grandparents and other family members still reside. He posted an Instagram video about it, and it was like really, really hard to watch. Um, so so that so many people are missing out on moments because of COVID, especially moments that they'll never be able to get back again. This could be could have been his one and only opportunity. I hope that it's not, you know, and I, it just got me thinking about all the other kids and all the other people that have missed out on opportunities that they won't be able to get again. Um, I say this all the time. I loved high school. I would go back to high school. if I had a, the chance to at a great time. And I just think about all these kids that didn't have a prom. They didn't have proper graduation. They didn't do all the things that you do your senior year. I know it's not the end of the world. I know people have faced, you know, way harsher and sadder um moments during covid but you know i just think about the most important parts of my life growing up was like being with my friends being in high school having my senior year experience um doing all my senior activities going to homecoming going to prom and some of these kids never got to experience it they didn't even get a graduation uh and that you know this also got me thinking about um or in the early days of covid when you know women were having their kids and nobody was allowed in the um labor room labor and delivery room so it's just like really crazy and the first time I really started thinking about how COVID was affecting people like it because for for a lot of us who are out of college out of high school who are just working um you know we kind of stayed home binge some tv hope nobody we knew got sick and that was pretty much what we did for um you know a year or so but there are people who really got you know affected and they had like this one chance to do this one thing and this was the only time in their life and it got taken away from them and I really realized this when I was watching the cheer season two documentary uh, when 
they postponed the Daytona, the NCAA national um, championship, and those there was a lot of kids there was their there was their first time performing on mat or competing or was going to be their last time or was their first and last time and they didn't get to do it you know that they wait for it all year long they've waited for one or two years they finally make mat and they couldn't even compete because it got canceled and then they graduated and that's it and they'll never have the chance again so um it's just really sad to see you know how COVID has affected people in different ways and um now it's kind of like you know, trickled into the Olympics. So yeah, those are two interesting things that uh, I read about the Olympics. Um, Let's move on. Um, Is anyone else confused about the COVID-19 updates and the constant changing of mask mandates? I mean, I'm so confused. News came out last week that uh, was confusing to a lot of Californians about the mask mandate. According to Vice, several states, including New York, New Jersey, California, Connecticut, and President Joe Biden's home state of Delaware announced timelines to end mask mandates over the next few months, citing declining hospitalizations and rates of Omicron transmission. So I'm confused because I thought there was still like over 100,000 people hospitalized across the country. And I also thought, didn't we just have ridiculous numbers in January? Like everyone around me was sick including myself in December and January like had COVID and four people I know just tested positive for COVID in the past like 10 days um and I don't know you know everyone else's mask mandate but California's was the most confusing so basically the state of California is saying we could take our masks off indoors if we're vaccinated all unvaccinated people will be required to wear masks indoors and everyone in high-risk settings like nursing homes hospitals shelters um and so far there's been no date set to lift the statewide mask mandate for k through 12 schools but counties are allowed to have their own rules they can be as strict as they want to be so even though california has lifted their mask uh, mandate i guess the counties are allowed to have stricter rules if they uh, choose to and la county health officials say that there's just too many people still getting infected in the uh, county and that it's too risky in Los Angeles to lift the mask mandate. So, um, yeah, I guess we're just going to be here with masks on for God knows how long. But Coachella and Stagecoach came out and both said that they are not requiring masks for their festival. Coachella is happening in two months in April. Fuck, that's crazy. I remember in 2020 when Coachella was canceled at like the end of February and we were all like well it was March and we were like why is this being canceled like this is like gonna go away no one's sick like I don't know anyone that's sick and then it got canceled and it didn't come back for two fucking years um but it's coming back it's April it's been two years and they're just saying um they are lifting the mask mandate and they're also not requiring anyone to show Uh, proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test. That's really interesting. I think that they kind of have just decided that it's kind of like the flu and we're going to get it every year. So it's been two years and I guess Coachella's over it and they said, we're not going to be checking your vaccination cards. We're not checking for negative COVID tests. Take your masks off. I mean, I don't really care because I'm not going to Coachella, but the, you know, and it's outdoors, so I get that. Um, and I guess it's like over 100,000 people. So how do you even manage everybody's, I guess they can upload it. Everyone's like vaccination cards and um, proof of negative tests. I think the least that they could have done 
was at least do a rapid test for everyone who was arriving or have people submit their tests. But then like that's a lot of management that they would have to do. I don't know if they have the manpower to manage all that. So yeah, you know, it is what it is. The last thing I want to talk about is about Prince Andrew. One thing that's really been on my mind is this past week is who is paying for Prince Andrew's uh, settlement? And let me catch you guys up here. So um, I know if you guys don't know, there's been a lot of talk about Virginia. And I think her last name is Jeffrey. Virginia Joffrey, Jeffrey, um, Jeffrey Epstein, and uh, Prince Andrew. So Virginia Jeffrey's lawyers allege that Prince Andrew sexually assaulted her three times, once in London, again in New York, and the third time on Epstein's private island in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Andrew denied all allegations against him. In 2019, he laid out his defense in an interview with the BBC, claiming he did not even remember meeting her. His lawyers tried and failed to get the civil case thrown out several times and Andrew was due to be deposed March 10th. On February 15th, lawyers for both parties revealed a settlement in principle had been reached that would avoid the possibility of the case going to trial. The exact compensation was undisclosed, but it is estimated to be worth around 12 million uh, pounds, 16.3 million US dollars, with some of the money going to Joffrey directly and the rest to her victim support charity. In a statement, Andrew said he regrets his, his association with Epstein and commends the bravery of Ms. Jeffrey and, and other survivors in standing up for themselves and others. That was in contrast to his comments in a 2019 BBC interview in which he said he, he didn't regret his relationship with Epstein. So Prince Andrew, the fire got too hot and now he's eating his words. First, he doesn't regret his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. Now he does. First, he doesn't know Virginia Jeffrey. Then he settles for... 16 it was it 16.3 million dollars um and it's crazy because a couple months ago he was stripped of his um, military affiliations and royal patronages um and now he is going through this settlement so he really wanted to avoid going to trial um but he now has to pay 60 million dollars and like who is paying that money the british taxpayers because his royal pension or his navy i think it's the royal navy pension is like twenty seven thousand dollars annually i think and i think when he was um a, a working royal his salary was around three hundred thousand or maybe a little more so i don't know if he has this kind of money i'm sure he has property i'm sure he has investments but how on earth is he going to pay the $16 million? I don't know. I think the queen's going to have to help him from um, her own fund. But what's crazy to me is like sometimes we we don't know how we feel about settlements. I feel like we as just bystanders, we kind of want to um, want, we kind of want people to go to trial because I feel like most of the truth, most of the conversation, most of the investigation goes to trial. And that's when we, it's public, and that's when we, we really get to hear um all of the details in this case i saw a lot of backlash about virginia jeffrey and her agreeing to the settlement um instead of going to trial and people are like well if he really did this to you you should make him sit um and go through trial and then there's a lot of criticism on him as well if you didn't do what you're accused of doing then why are you settling you know and a lot of celebrities and a lot of people settle because whether they're guilty or they're not sometimes it just First of all, it could cost them less money to settle than to actually go to trial and pay for lawyers. But also, it's just 
less attention, less media coverage. It's private. I don't necessarily think that settling means you're owning up to what you're being accused of. I think that it probably just means that you want it to go away. Um, I think Kobe settled in his um, lawsuit when the woman accused him of uh, rape. And, you know, a lot of people didn't believe that he actually raped her. He said a million times that he hadn't. Um, and people thought, well, if you, some people thought, well, if you settle, that means you did. Like, no, I think that he, you know, him, like a lot of other people just wanted to go away. And the best way to make it go away and to keep it private is for, um, you know, people to sign paperwork and settle and keep it out of the courts and keep it private. So that's really, um, I think that's why a lot of celebrities settle. But this, I just, I just thought that for someone who was, uh, so loud about the fact that he didn't know who she was and he had no regrets about his relationship with Jeffrey Epstein, even though Epstein was accused of really horrific things, um, for someone who was so loud about that and decided to do an interview on BBC, for them to settle, it's kind of like, well, if you know these things aren't true and you didn't really do the things you're accused of doing, why are you settling of all people? But, you know, they're British royalty and the last thing they want is this much attention on them um, right now. So I understand why they would settle. I'm just trying to figure out who is paying this $60 million bill because they didn't want to pay for Harry and Meghan's security when they came to um, the UK. So I'm a little confused. But yeah, that's that for Talkworthy. Um, you guys, in this week's Dropping Champ segment, I wanted to talk about um, the correlation between stress and uh, illness. And I just want to say, you know, before we start, I am not a doctor. Um, I don't think it's as simple as uh, you're under stress and then all of a sudden you start feeling physical symptoms or some sort of illness develops. I cannot tell you that for 100%. Uh, I don't know, but I can just tell you my experience and um, why I kind of came to this Dropping Jam segment. I'm going to keep it short, but um, yeah. So I had a family member in Armenia who passed um, last week and it was kind of sudden, I would say. Uh, this was a very healthy woman, um, middle-aged, you know, always got checkups, was in great shape and good health from what we knew. And then over the course of, I want to say, a couple of months, she underwent a lot of stress, lost both of her parents. Um, one of her sons, you know, uh, got drafted into the army and she was heavily stressed and worried about them. She was just in constant stress and worry. And um, she started having stomach pains. Um, and she went to the doctor and they diagnosed her with cancer. She went through heavy chemo treatment. And unfortunately, she passed last week. Again, I can't, in no, in no way can I say that um, this, this is connected to stress. I'm not saying that at all. Disclaimer, I'm not saying that cancer and stress are uh, related and that one causes the other. A lot of people around her believe that she was under so much stress that it caused her to have uh, physical reactions. Um, and, you know, I can only speak about my experience um, about five or six years ago. Was it seven years ago now? Someone um, close to me, it was a ripple effect of things that were happening in my life, but someone, someone in our family circle 
was also diagnosed with cancer. She was very young and I went into complete shock and I started worrying about my own health to the point where I caused health issues. I was relatively healthy, had no problems, didn't have um, any anxiety or anything like that. But I kind of developed like a generalized anxiety disorder through this during this time. And um, I started worrying about a lot of things that I had no reason to worry about, had no business worrying about and th throughout. And then uh, following the next few months, a year, two years, I started physically feeling the symptoms of that worry and that stress. I um, started feeling like weak. I started having numbness in my legs. I mean, I couldn't sleep. Um, I was having also stomach issues. I mean, I went through a lot of random health issues, um, went to a lot of doctors. Everyone's like, there's nothing. We can't find anything. We can't find anything. And um, I started realizing that it was just all in my head that I had caused a lot of stress to my body. And even during one of my appointments, my doctor called me. She's like, your cortisol levels are out of control. Um, you're so stressed. Like, what's happening? And I started realizing that I'm kind of doing this to myself. It's all in my head. I had to really just change the way that I was thinking. And anytime I felt anxiety or anxious, I had to just grab it and stop it in its tracks um, and think about something else. And again, I'm not saying it's that simple. I'm just only sharing my personal experience with you. Um, I know there's, I know several people in my life that have also gone through this really weird time in their life where they were also under a lot of stress or had anxiety and out of nowhere, it started to affect their um, own bodies, their mobility sometimes. And I was reading this article and this is what I found, constant worrying, negative thinking and always expecting the worst can take a toll on your emotional and physical health. It can sap your emotion, emotional strength, leave you feeling restless and jumpy, cause insomnia, headaches, stomach problems and mus muscle tension and make it difficult to concentrate at work or school. Higher levels of anxiety can trigger those stress hormones that make your heart be faster and harder as your body perceives stress your adrenal glands make and release the hormone cortisol into your bloodstream. Often called the stress hormone, cortisol causes an increase in your heart rate and blood pressure. Um, yeah, so I just want to leave you guys with this. This is, I think I've said this on my podcast several times, and um, this was a little gem that um, was told to my mom when I was going through my health issues and nobody really knew what was going on. Um, she just said, worry when you have a reason to worry, worry when you have to. And every single time I get even slightly worried or my mind goes to like a, a dark place or I get any kind of anxiety, I just close my eyes and I say to myself, worry when you have to, worry when you have to. There is no point or no you know reason to worry about the unknown, to worry about things that haven't even happened yet and to really put too much stress on things that did happen. Um, I think I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but the best way to try to get through a lot of the things that we face in life is to let go and let God and worry when you have to and um, understand that most of the, of the things that happen in our life are really out of our control. And when we release that control is when we're able to live a lighter life, a life with less anxiety, less stress, and less worry. So um, I don't know if anyone needed to hear that. I just wanted to give you guys that little nugget because that really um, was the theme of my week last week. You know, when I heard the news, I was just like, wow, she was really worried for 
so long about things that had happened and about things that hadn't even happened yet. Um, and that worry really took a toll on her and her body and um, her mental health and, you know, all of the things. So um, worry when you have to. And in the meantime, let go and let God and give it to God. And we are now ready to move on to BTS. Um, I just want to quickly talk about Valentine's Day. Um, I know I didn't have a podcast last week. Um, life just kind of got crazy. The period took me out um, and it was Super Bowl weekend. It was Valentine's Day. I just had like a lot going on last weekend, so I needed a minute. But um, I had a great Valentine's Day. I think it might have been my best and favorite Valentine's Day that I've ever had. Um, it was just so special. Had like a really nice dinner at home, um, you know, on the balcony with a great view and the sunset and candlelight. And it was just beautiful and so special. And I'm just in a really good place. And I'm happy I got to experience that with uh, my boyfriend. And it's crazy because just one year ago on Valentine's Day, he sent me flowers anonymously. I was like, who sent me these flowers? Um, and here we are one year later. So, uh, yeah, I hope you guys all had a great Valentine's Day experience. That was mine. And um, now that Valentine's Day is over, Lent is coming up. And Lent starts on March 2nd and ends on April 14th. Now, I don't do like the real Lent. I think people go like vegan and um, they don't, or they fast. I'm not really sure. My version of Lent for the past, I don't even know how many years, seven years has been giving up bread. I just give up one thing and just like highly focus on that, like discipline myself not to eat that thing for 40 days. And it's been bread for the most part because of my quarantine 15 weight gain slash loss, but then plus this happy relationship weight, I am not in a place where I need to just lose this weight faster and working out is not really getting me there. So I think for Lent, I might give up bread and something else. Now, first I was thinking about giving up potatoes and I'm like, I don't really eat that many potatoes. I eat like French fries every once in a while, but I don't eat French fries that much. And I just, I, it's just about the chips that I love, you know? So I'm like, wait, what do I eat all the time that like I should be eating less of? And it's definitely rice. I can eat rice three times a day if I needed to. I have no problem with rice. I love rice. So, and the, my problem is I don't have portion control. Like I'll just eat three cups of rice. I don't give a fuck. Like I love rice. So I'm thinking, I haven't decided yet. I still have some time. I'm thinking of giving up Lent. For Lent, I'm giving up bread and rice. I'm a little worried because I don't know what the fuck I'm going to eat. I'm a pescatarian and I don't like to eat a lot of fish. I only eat it for three to, you know, three meals or so, three to four meals a week, meaning like two lunches and two dinners or two lunches and a dinner. I don't eat a lot of fish. So because of that, I'm always hungry and I'm, because I'm not eating a lot of protein, I'm eating bread, I'm eating rice. So now if I give up both of those things, I don't know really how I'm going to get through it. And I've been trying to train myself. So I've been eating cauliflower rice, which tastes like nothing and nothing doesn't taste good. Let me tell you that. It tastes like shit. I hate it. But if it'll make me, you know, if it'll just drop those last few pounds for 40 days, I think I can do it. Um, I just don't know what the hell I'm going to eat. I don't know what I'm going to cook. Like, I don't know what I'm going to eat. So still thinking about it. DM me on Instagram. Let me know what you're giving up for Lent, if anything. And if you have any suggestions for me. And please don't say alcohol. Because, like, I really can't give up alcohol. Because, well, first of all, I don't need to. I don't drink that much. I maybe drink once a week. 
I don't drink that much. So I don't think I really need to give up alcohol. But even so, like, I don't want to give up alcohol. My drinks aren't, like, fattening or, like, that crazy, you know? I kind of need to stick to something that's really hard for me to give up, which would be bread or rice and or rice. So speaking of food, I had the best veggie burger ever, and I can't believe it exists. Up until this point, I would go to, like, Monty's, Monty's has a vegan, it's a vegan burger, but I'm not vegan. I can eat, a, you know, I can eat like real cheese. So that was kind of like, eh, I wish they like had a vegetarian option. Um, and umami burger is always great, super consistent. It's like a good gourmet burger. But I wouldn't say it's like my favorite burger up until like this weekend it was. But my boyfriend took me to the window and I guess they have three locations. They took me to the one in Silver Lake and they have this thing called the Beauty Burger and it's a um, impossible burger, and it's so good. Like, I want it right now. It was so good, and um, I am just blown away, and I really recommend it for any of my vegetarians, vegans, or pescatarians. Go to the window, get their beauty burger, thank me later. It is delicious, so good. Another thing that happened last week that's so interesting is that it snowed in Pasadena, and, like, if you're not from California, I have no idea what I'm talking about, Pasadena is like 20 minutes away from Hollywood and it's snowed. So that's really fucking crazy. And I was watching Watch Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen and he was like, we all owe Erica Girardi an apology because she was talking about how Tom had a car accident because it was, he was driving and it was snowing and everyone's like, oh, it was snowing in LA. But like, yeah, it was snowing in LA and like they do live in Pasadena. So that's funny, but, um, it's crazy. And I hope that I'm not ready for the snow. Like if this like comes to like the valley or to like Hollywood area we're kind of screwed because we're not made for the snow we are not snow people so Pasadena I don't know how y'all got through it um what else so um we started reading our book in the book club Atomic Habits there's like 16 people in the book club it's crazy I love it but thank you guys for joining and um in the intro um, the author talks about how he was playing baseball in high school and one of his teammates, uh, was hitting the ball and the bit and the bat slid out of the, his hands and hit him in the face. And it just like changed his, um, life forever. Like he had to go through a lot of like physical therapy. He had to like get, you know, had to like relearn a lot of things and, um, his life just kind of changed from that point on. And I was so interesting because it was really an accident. Like his teammate was just trying to hit the ball and the baseball bat just like slipped out of his hand. Um, and I, it's crazy to me, but I think about that happening all the time. Like sometimes, see, worry when you have to, and here I am. Sometimes when I'm in a workout class and I'm like looking in the mirror and we're doing like the, um, I don't know what they're called, but like with the kettlebell and you're like doing swings and the person in back of me is like swinging the kettlebell. I'm just like looking at them in the mirror like I swear to God, bitch, if you fucking throw that kettlebell, if that shit slips out of your hands and hits me in the back of my head, like it's really crazy. I'm always thinking about that in classes. I feel like someone's something is going to fly and hit me. Um, I always have like my eyes open looking side to side like who is just a sloppy joe I cannot stand next to them all right guys I think we are now officially ready to get into the tv recap um, there's a lot of random things I've been watching so I'll be quick and brief uh, I started watching the show called Sweet Magnolias on Netflix it's super corny it kind of reminds me of like Gilmore Girls, small town vibe, except like there's three moms and then, you know, th their lives and their kids. But Heather Headley is one of the three moms in this friend group. And I 
um, used to love the song In My Mind. Like I used to like cry to that song during breakups that it's like such a good song and she's one of the actresses. It's crazy. I never even knew that she acted. But um, yeah, I love a good small town drama. I'm on season two. It's just like good background TV, like a cleaning, cooking television. So if anyone needs something to pass the time, Sweet Magnolias is great. Um, Super Bowl, I forgot to mention it. So the Rams won, which is like so lit for LA. I'm so happy. Um, I can't believe it. I, I just like we didn't have a football team for so long that like it just feels surreal. I don't even I didn't even know how to act. Like first I didn't even really know they were gonna get that far because I haven't been watching because like who knew? Now I'll be watching. Um, but what was interesting is when they started the game, the announcer was talking about the coin toss curse where the past seven years since 2014, the team who won the coin toss lost the Super Bowl. And when um, the game started, they had uh, the Rams had lost the coin toss. So I'm like, oh, good. That means like they might win. And they were doing good. And then all of a sudden, they started doing kind of bad. And they were falling behind. I was like, oh, my God, are the Rams going to break the coin toss curse? Ugh. But fortunately for us, it uh, is still a curse. And it's now eight years. And the Rams won the Super Bowl. Now, the halftime show. I was, like, a little bit, like, skeptical going into it because – the halftime show is like a show, right? You want to see like dancers and singers and a band and you want like a full on performance. So I'm like, huh, there's like three rappers in this thing. Like, are they just going to rap? Like, are there dancers? Like, what's going to happen? Like, how are we going to create this like show element that we're so used to seeing for the Super Bowl? And I really have to say they brought it. It was like so lit. It was all of Dre's artists. Like, I couldn't believe Eminem, like to see Eminem and then like 50 Cent obviously surprised everyone. Um, it was just crazy. But Kendrick Lamar was probably my favorite. It was just so well done. His set, um, he just has so much power. He's like such a powerful artist um, that it was probably my favorite part of the Super Bowl. And like how incredible for him to be performing in his city, um, him and Dre. So it was great to see him. Oh, my God. When California Love came on, I got like chills. Like every time that song comes on, I'm like, ooh, tingles. Like, yes, Cali. Uh, but yeah, and commercials, I really don't have anything to say. There's a lot of great commercials, a lot of celebrities. Um, the one that stood out to me also gave me chills, like the performance was the Sopranos commercial because I love the Sopranos, my favorite show. And um, that was just like really crazy to see that commercial. But um, with uh, Meadow and um, Tony Jr. That's his name, right? Tony Jr.? See, I don't remember. It's been so long. Anyway. That's the Super Bowl. Next, Love is Blind season two. So I loved season one. Um, I felt like it was so real. It's been years and two couples are still married and going strong. Um, and I think that when they first did season one, they didn't really have any expectations. No one had ever heard of the show. It's like a social experiment. They didn't know how big it was going to be. They just like, you know, go on the show and this dating thing. But now that I think people knew, know how big it like it became and like what kind of reach the show has, sometimes it makes me think like, are these people here for the right reasons? Um, and you know, I like are they here for exposure? Like, what are they here for? Um, and so now I think only the first five episodes came out, you know, February eleventh, and then the next five came out. I haven't watched any of them yet. But um, I have watched the first five. Sorry, that's what I meant to say. I'm going to watch the next four or five that came out uh, on Friday. But um, yeah, so far, like Danielle and Nick are giving me like Cameron and Lauren Hamilton vibes. Um, Shake had me dying. He's so inappropriate. Like he 
was in these pods through this wall asking women the most ridiculous questions to try to figure out what they looked like. Like the whole point of this is it's an experiment to see like is love blind? Do you have to you know, like, are you looking at someone's physical appearance and, you know, going after them for the wrong reasons? Like, the whole point of the show is to get to know someone, like, personality without knowing what they look like. And this fool is trying to figure out what these girls look like. The questions he was asking was crazy. He said, I like to buy, and he's trying to be slick, I like to buy girls clothes. What size are you? And they're like, what? Like, imagine you're like, oh, I'm a size 8. I'm a size 12 and he's like making his like decisions like oh, I'm a size 2 he's like okay okay he's like trying to picture you right and then the other thing he asked which was like ridiculous like oh what if, we, what if we were at a festival or a concert could I put you on my shoulders like are you light enough for me to lift you and put you on my shoulders or are you like on the heavier end where I wouldn't be able to pick you up like what the fuck like he's crazy but I'm just kind of nervous to see what happens and with his um relationship because uh he's just like saying he's not physically attracted to her so we'll see what, what goes down after the pod love after the pod love my favorite part is when the engaged couples like go to the next level and they go on vacation and then they have to meet they have to like get get together with the other engaged couples and like start conversation like you know just finally get to see how everyone looks in person because then you get to see the people that you turned down or the people that you wanted to be with but they turned you down and it's always like this really awkward moment and Shayna is really giving me Jessica vibes from last season um and I haven't gotten to the episode six where she I guess confronts Shane about um his decision and then the ayana jared and mallory of it all was kind of like hard to watch especially when they finally met in person and jared and mallory like had that really long conversation by the bar you just kind of feel bad for ayana so really excited to see what happens in the next few episodes um now i think let me i'll talk about euphoria before i get into the all housewives stuff oh and the bachelor okay so euphoria the past few episodes is really painful watching rue go through these withdrawals it just seems so real and like it really seemed like what an addict would go through um and then nate and that gun thing that whole scene with maddie that was like really brutal and i don't know how maddie would ever forgive him after this like i thought that maybe after dating cassie she would still be able to forgive him because she'd just be mad at cassie and be like i love nate so much about cassie but after that like gun thing i don't think that she could ever forgive him like I think he just like her her like pride like she's just so shook like he like had a gun to his head and then he like threatened her and then he said I'm not gonna apologize because you're never gonna forgive me anyway and where's the disc and he just like put her in the most vulnerable position ever and you know so that was crazy um and I can't wait to see how Cassie and Nate act in their now new relationship at school and I'm most excited about Lexi's play um I want to see everyone else's reaction I also started watching uh, Pam and Tommy about Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee and the sex tape on Hulu um I'll give you guys my thoughts when I finish it and then I also am watching Inventing Anna um on Netflix which is by Shonda Rhimes so you know it's good it's I'll give you guys the full the full breakdowns later. All right, Bachelor. Um, I just really realized like I could never be on the show for multiple reasons. First of all, like I don't want to be on a show like that, but also because like 
you have to do things to stand out and it's just like really not I'm not thirsty enough I'm just not really my jam and I feel like you have to be a little mean sometimes like the Mara or Mara and Sarah beef was a little too much for me when they were going up and they were doing all the roasting um and then Sarah kind of started insulting her about her physical appearance and her gap like I don't do that so that's not my vibe and that really threw me off and then she started talking about her age and she started saying like you know she's too old to be here it's like these things are these are things that she can't control her something that her physical appearance which is the gap in her teeth and uh her age so it's like for you to make fun of things that two things that someone can't control or is out of their control it's kind of whack to me so that really like rubbed me the wrong way about sarah and like her age and like maturity really showed in that moment um marlena was like hilarious in her roast especially about um shanae but it was kind of mean like it was mean-spirited the whole herpes comment over and over again um so yeah i'm i don't know that's where i'm at with the girls i think that we're getting closer and closer to like hometowns in the end so now we can like better understand what's going on i still think it's gonna be like rachel and Susie and sarah and maybe serene in the top i'm missing someone I don't know how I'm missing, but, um, but yeah, interesting things going on with The Bachelor. Let's get into all things Housewives. It's really crazy because there's four, um, Housewives on right now, but some of them are about to end because reunions are being filmed, but let's get into New Jersey first because I love New Jersey. Um, Gia, 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 Teresa's daughter, Gia. Um, I think that she really held it down for her sisters and her family and her dad. I'm the same way. Like if, you know, I've had to go off on older relatives about things that they've said about my parents or how they treated my parents or my sister. Um, and yeah, like it is slightly disrespectful because I'm younger, but sometimes people need to be called out for their shit or else they're going to keep doing it and you got to put people in their place. And I don't like really, I don't really handle it well when I feel like my family is being attacked. So I feel Gia for that. But Joe Gorga is a gem of a man in this situation i don't think that anything he did was or said was too disrespectful to um joe judice and and you know gia's dad i understand why she's mad but i think that this is something that they need to drop because it's really not that big of a deal what he said and he didn't say any lies everything he said was true so those are my thoughts on that um let's talk about the rumor uh so margaret and you know says this rumor drops this rumor mic drop about jennifer's husband bill and the affair that he had and jennifer's kind of caught off guard and now she has to pick up the pieces of this rumor coming back out it's not a rumor it's true it's basically he had an affair 10 years ago um when jennifer was pregnant with her fourth child so at first like i felt really bad and i was so happy to see jackie like stand up for Jennifer. It was like nice. But then I realized that Jennifer is not really Jackie's friend. She was seeking information about Evan last year. And it's like, how could you seek out information about someone else having an affair when you have these skeletons in your closet? Like you have no shame. It's like, I don't know. Um, Margaret, like what I have done with what she did and like put out this rumor on public television for everyone to see. No, I wouldn't. Um, I would think about someone's family, someone's, you know, kids. But at the same time, 
Jennifer has pushed Margaret so much that I feel like she had no choice. I really do. And then Teresa's reasoning as to why Margaret is wrong and she wasn't wrong is that what, because according to Teresa, what Teresa said about Jackie and Evan last season was just a rumor. It wasn't true, but this is true. Like somehow that makes it better. So no comment. I don't know where she gets her logic from. Um, but I want to talk about Jennifer. I really have empathy for her. I feel like she's sitting here reliving the hardest moment of her life. And now she has to do it in front of cameras and in front of America. And now she has to tell her family that she never told before. And now her kids know. Um, and it's something that happened 10 years ago. And I, and I feel bad for her. And I know, I, I don't, I can't imagine going through it not once, but now twice, you know. Um, so I'm interested to see how it pans out for the rest of the season. And then the scene with Jackie and Evan at, at dinner when Jackie was talking about her body issues and how she was talking about how she is just so hungry all the time and she doesn't eat because she's scared of gaining weight like I actually cried like I was watching her crying talking about it I was crying I feel so bad for her. like I'm hungry all the time but I don't want to eat because I don't want to gain weight I mean like that's really a problem that's really really sad and I think she really needs to seek some sort of counseling for that because she looks great but it's just it doesn't matter how she looks it's like what's in her head um so great season so far with New Jersey uh, Salt Lake City. So I'm pre-recording this. I haven't seen the season finale yet, but um, the conversations so far about Meredith's whereabouts on the day that she, that Jen got arrested are like absurd to me. I don't know why it's so hard to, for these women to believe that someone could be at a memorial for several days, like one day's a memorial, another day she's with her family, whatever the reasoning is. Why is it such a conversation about where she was during that during the day that Jen got arrested there these women like are worried about the wrong things and I loved Whitney and Heather and they're really just kind of turning me off this season because they're really focused on the wrong things you have someone like Jen Shaw who's accused of really fucked up things on your cast and you're not asking her any questions no one's asking her any questions the FBI doesn't just come for people for no reason they clearly have something on her but instead of asking her the questions instead of accusing her making her answer for the decisions that she's made you're going after Meredith who was at a memorial and now you're questioning her about the date of the memorial I mean they really lost me on that one um Real Housewives of OC um not really much to say feel for Dr. Jen and her marriage it's not looking good um but there's hope um and then I don't know I feel kind of bad for Noella I feel like yeah maybe she makes things about herself sometimes but I just feel like people are getting up on her at this point. She's, I feel kind of sad for her. Like this is just a time where all she could do is talk about herself. And I just feel like she's trying to relate even to Jen and it just doesn't come off right. It's not landing right. But I do feel like women are getting up on her and I feel kind of bad for her. Um, Real Housewives of Miami. You guys, I think it's really good. I feel like it needs to go to Bravo. I know Peacock has it now, but I think it's really, really good. I think that their fashion is great. Their outfits are on point. This dinner um, at, you know, the Versace mansion, they just all look so good. What I want to talk about is, might be an unpopular opinion, but it's, it's Adriana and the Larsa thing. I'm so unimpressed with Adriana and how she's acting this season. I think she's trying so hard to be like a, a main cast member. She's trying so hard to be relevant. It's just not like landing well and like she's at this dinner with larsa larsa's telling her she's uncomfortable about talking about the kardashians and adriana is trying to be relevant she's trying to get you know the main housewife you know uh 
role here and she's pressing Larsa like why aren't you friends with the Kardashians why aren't you friends with the Kardashians what did they do what did they do and she's like I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it and then she's like you know I saw Kanye West penis one time like what and she's like and Larsa's like I don't want to hear about that like he's my friend like my my kids are friends with their kids I don't want to talk about that she's like no I saw his penis she's like I don't care and she keeps saying it she's like at this restaurant at the dinner screaming like no I saw it no I saw it like okay you saw it you want a fucking cookie like it was so corny so weird so annoying and then I, she's just like kind of it was crazy it was a crazy scene to watch and if you don't watch what house was in miami just google or youtube that scene it's really bizarre um so i'm kind of off adriana i'm like not really it's not really doing anything for me and this was like her i don't know what the purpose of this was she just thought like she was really gonna do something with this like one line or like she's gonna really land on the show with like by pressing larsa and her friendship with the kardashians it's, it's kind of crazy um the last thing I want to talk about is I watched the Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. I finally finished it. And I just want to focus on the yacht party. Like, yeah, Ramona was dead wrong for airing Luann's dirty laundry about her and Tom. Um, but I felt like her, she thought she was drunk, first of all. But her back was against the wall. And she was just being very defensive and obviously very inappropriate. But Kenya talking about respect and having respect and giving respect is beyond me because she's so disrespectful i mean kenya more hair care kenya's the most disrespectful housewife on her season and it's so funny to me how on this ultimate girls trip she's on her best behavior it's like not her at all like we know the real her we've watched her on atlanta for years this is not her and it's just so funny to me that people are really just like latching onto her and I don't know. It's crazy. I would have thought they would have liked Cynthia, but Cynthia just wasn't doing it for anyone. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like she's poking Ramona. She like wants something out of Ramona. It's kind of like messy and she called her a peasant. I mean, it's, it's bizarre, but I'm not making excuses for Ramona. She is who she is. She's unbearable, but she is who she is at this point. Kenya is also very offensive. So I don't know. Luann, it was interesting to me because Luann got kind of upset about Ramona airing her laundry. But let's not forget about all the things Luann said to Sonia on that one bus ride to, on a trip that they went to. She called her a slut and said that she gets her sloppy seconds, basically, basically is what she said. Uh, Teresa's also on her best behavior. My favorites were Kyle and, Mar and Melissa. I love their friendship. Um, and yeah, I would have rather seen Portia there over most of these people. So Anyway, that's my very hefty TV recap. Um, yeah, you guys, just a reminder if you, um, yep, just a reminder that um, I do have a 10% off code at Ana Luisa. So use Starring Milana to treat yourself, treat your loved ones. Go to shop.analuisa.com forward slash Starring Milana. That's A N A L U I S A dot com forward slash starring milana to get 10 percent off using code starring milana thank you guys so much for listening make sure to subscribe leave a rating or review both on podcast audio apps and on youtube follow me at starring milana dm me if you have any ideas or things i should talk about and yeah thank you for listening i'll be back next week